Welcome to American Epistles, the story of our country, one letter at a time. I'm your host, Susan Stevenson. American Epistles explores our history through the letters, journals, and diaries of ordinary Americans. One of my goals for this podcast is to present subjects that might not be as well known, like the Great Migration, or the topic of my next series, Women's Relief Work in World War I. I also want us to hear from the so-called ordinary Americans involved in the events that are pretty well known, and where possible, present the voices that we may not have heard as much. So these will be mini-episodes and won't have nearly as much background information. Honestly, they'll help me keep up with my desired upload schedule while giving me time to research those other topics. So today's episode will feature a few letters from the Civil War, an event that was critical to the character and shape of the United States. Its causes, execution, and enduring effects continue to be studied and debated. And there are plenty of excellent podcasts on the subject, including a very engaging and informative one hosted by Scott Rank and James Early called Key Battles of the Civil War, to which there's a link in the show notes. It talks not only about the major battles, but also discusses the leaders' personal histories and even their personalities. It's a great listen. But one voice from the Civil War that we've not heard as much is the voice of black women. Today, I'm fortunate to read letters, all written by loved ones of black soldiers. Even though African Americans made less than 1% of the Northern population, the Union Army would eventually be 10% black. Over 85% of eligible black men, or a total of 180,000, joined the federal forces. The wives and mothers that they left behind faced challenges unique to their race. The author of the first letter had a son in the 54th Regiment, the first African-American regiment organized in the North during the war, and portrayed in the 1989 film Glory. This mother expressed her concerns after the Confederate government threatened to treat all captured black Union soldiers as slaves in rebellion, regardless of their pre-capture status. She sent those concerns to none other than the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, and wrote the following. Buffalo, New York, July 31, 1863. Excellent Sir, My good friend says I must write to you, and she will send it. My son went in the 54th Regiment. I'm a colored woman, and my son was strong and able as any to fight for his country, and the colored people have as much to fight for as any. My father was a slave, and escaped from Louisiana before I was born, more than forty years ago. I have but poor education, but I never went to school. But I know just as well as any what is right between man and man. Now I know it is right that a colored man should go and fight for his country, and so ought a white man. I know that a colored man ought to run no greater risks than a white, his pay no greater, his obligation to fight the same. So why should not our enemies be compelled to treat him the same, made to do it? My son fought at Fort Wagner, but thank God he was not taken prisoner, as many were. I thought of this thing before I let my son go. But then they said, Mr. Lincoln will never let them sell our colored soldiers for slaves. If they do, he will get them back quick. He will retaliate and stop it. Now, Mr. Lincoln, don't you think you ought to stop this thing and make them do the same by the colored men? They have lived in idleness all their lives on stolen labor and made savages of the colored people. 
but now they are so furious because they are proving themselves to be men, such as have come away and got some education. It must not be so. You must put the rebels to work in state prisons to making shoes and things, if they sell our colored soldiers, till they let them all go, and give their wounded the same treatment. It would seem cruel, but there is no other way, and a just man must do hard things sometimes that show him to be a great man. They tell me some do. You will take back the proclamation. Don't do it. When you are dead and in heaven, and in a thousand years, that action of yours will make the angels sing your praises. I know it. Ought one man to own another, law or not? Who made the law? Surely the poor slave did not. So it is wicked and a horrible outrage. There is no sense in it. Because a man has lived by robbing all his life, and his father before him, should he complain because the stolen things found on him are taken? Robbing the colored people of their labor is but a small part of the robbery. Their souls almost are taken. They are made brutes of often. You know all about this. Will you see that the colored men fighting now are fairly treated? You ought to do this and do it at once. Not let the thing run along. Mean it quickly and manfully and stop this mean, cowardly cruelty. We poor oppressed ones appeal to you and ask fair play. Yours for Christ's sake, Hannah Johnson. The Stuff You Missed in History podcast has a great episode on the 54th Regiment, and I have a link to that as well. The next two letters came from Missouri. Missouri was a border state, which had been admitted to the Union as part of the Missouri Compromise of 1820. Maine entered as a free state as part of the Compromise. Even though Missouri was a slave state, it sent thousands of men to serve on both sides of the war. 8,000 black Missourians fought for the Union. Their regiments served in Tennessee, Louisiana, Texas, and Alabama. Mexico, Missouri, December 30th, 1863. My dear husband, I have received your last kind letter a few days ago and was much pleased to hear from you once more. It seems like a long time since you left me. I have had nothing but trouble since you left. You recollect what I told you, how they would do after you were gone. They abused me because you went and say they will not take care of our children and do nothing but quarrel with me all the time and beat me scandalously the day before yesterday. Oh, I never thought you would give me so much trouble as I have got to bear now. You ought not to have left me in the fix I am in and all these little helpless children to take care of. I was invited to a party tonight, but I could not go. I am in too much trouble to want to go to parties. The children talk about you all the time. I wish you could get a furlough and come to see us once more. We want to see you worse than we ever did before. Remember all I told you about how they would do me after you left, for they do worse than they ever did, and I do not know what will become of me and my poor little children. Oh, I wish you had stayed with me and not gone, till I could go with you, for I can do nothing but grieve all the time about you. Write and tell me when you are coming. Tell Isaac that his mother came and got his clothes. She was so sorry he went. You need not tell me to beg any more married men to go. I see too much trouble to try to get any more into trouble too. Write to me 
and do not forget me and my children. Farewell, my dear husband, from your wife, Martha. Paris, Missouri, January 19, 1864. My dear husband, I received your letter dated January 9th, also one dated January 1st, but have got no one till now to write for me. You do not know how bad I am treated. They are treating me worse and worse every day. Our child cries for you. Send me some money as soon as you can, for me and my child are almost naked. My cloth is yet in the loom, and there is no telling when it will be out. Do not send any of your letters to Hogsett, especially those having money in them, as Hogsett will keep the money. George Combs went to Hannibal soon after you did, so I did not get that money from him. Do the best you can, and do not fret too much for me, for it won't be long now before I will be free, and then all we make will be ours. Your affectionate wife, Anne. P.S. Send our little girl a string of beads in your next letter to remember you by. Anne. The letter also includes a note, presumably from a neighbor who is helping with writing and mailing the letters. Andy, if you send me any more letters for your wife, do not send them in the care of anyone. Just direct them plainly to James A. Carney, Paris, Monroe County, Missouri. Do not write too often. Once a month will be plenty, and when you write, do not write as though you had received any letters, for if you do, your wife will not be so apt to get them. Hogsett has forbid her coming to my house, so we cannot read them to her privately. If you send any money, I will give that to her myself. James A. Carney Next, we have another letter written by a soldier's mom to the president. Carlisle, Pennsylvania, November 21, 1864. Mr. Abraham Lincoln. I want to know, sir, if you please, whether I can have my son released from the army. He is all the support I have now. His father is dead, and his brother, that was all the help that I had. He has been wounded twice. He has not had anything to send me yet. Now I am old, and my head is blossoming for the grave. And if you do, I hope the Lord will bless you and me. If you please answer as soon as you can, they say that you will sympathize with the poor. There was a white gentleman told me to write to you. He belongs to the 8th Regiment, U.S. Colored Troops. Mart Welcome is his name. He is a sergeant. Jane, welcome. This letter was written a few weeks after the Second Battle of Fair Oaks, during which Union troops suffered 1,600 casualties. Mart Welcome's regiment was among the fighters. In my reading for this episode, I came across information about black women's work as Union spies. Harriet Tubman is the most famous of these, but she was not alone. I hope to talk about some of those women in a future episode. Today's letters were read with permission from the Freedmen and Southern Society Project of the University of Maryland. The music was performed by Pretlow Stevenson IV. Show notes are at AmericanEpistles.com and check the Pinterest page for images related to today's episode. Please like the podcast on Facebook, follow on Twitter, at Ordinary Letters, or leave a comment and rating at Apple Podcasts. American Epistles is also on Google Podcasts, 
Stitcher, and Spotify. Thank you very much for listening.